You're listening to The Peak Podcast with me, Christina Roman. We're having real, intimate conversations about the interconnectedness of life. Join us as we discuss big topics like intuition, personal mastery, and emotional wellness and why they matter for you. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of The Peak Podcast. This is a totally impromptu episode, so if I sound rushed and frantic, it's because I just got the whole idea for this episode and wanted to put voice to mic, which is the modern day pen to paper, right away. I wanted to get this episode put together so I could get it published here on the podcast. I want to start by saying that the title of this episode is a bit facetious and it's poking fun at myself a little bit. So the title is Life Changing, in case you didn't notice. And I call it that because I joke that I call everything that tickles my fancy life-changing. So all the different mechanisms, methods, theories that I utilize in my own life for growth, I call them all life-changing. And so, again, poking a little bit of fun at myself about that. But I had this idea to put together a podcast that was my current understanding of what's been life-changing in my life so far. And I laugh a little bit because I realized that I could listen back to this episode in a year and have a totally different understanding of what's really life-changing. And I wanted to add in one other kind of meta point before I dig into the different life-changing things that have been incredible and impactful in my life. So I always joke that I'm like a stoner without the pot. And so I have these mind-blowing epiphanies all the time. And so if you think about it, everything in your life every single little moment is technically life-changing. So I just want to let that sink in for a minute, which is really fun to think about. If you are craving life-changing things in your life, any tiny little thing could be life-changing for you. So I actually always think about the song that my sister and her husband played for their first dance, and I'll actually link to it in the show notes. But it's about all the trains that they missed to find each other in the world and how if some of those moments hadn't panned out how they had, they would be on a totally different trajectory and maybe they would have never met. There's also a Darius Rucker song, if anyone's a country fan out there, about the same theme. So I'll link to both of those songs. But I think that's a fun first challenge is what are all the moments that have brought you to where you are today? And what are all the moments that are currently happening in your life that are putting you on the trajectory that you're on? I was walking back from the grocery store just now, and the six things that have really changed the trajectory of my life popped right into my head. And so I wanted to mention that they are in order of how they happened. And I think if I look at them through the lens of everything happening for a reason, the six different ways that I see the world have all clicked into place one at a time. And I think I had to have an understanding of one in order for the next to click into place. So this will all make sense as I dive into the six. But a quick note, I want to mention, I have a blog post that I wrote about this, and it's called The Cult of dot, dot, dot. And that blog post is really looking at the way that people who are involved in this personal growth world, self very much included, often act like they have the magical cure, the silver bullet, the one thing that's going to change every other person's life. And so I just want to add in that I share these six things with you in case they're helpful to you, and they might not actually be the six that resonate with you at all. You might take one of them and leave the other five. You might take two or three and leave the rest, but it's really up to you and your inner voice what or your whatever mechanism you use to make decisions to decide if these are actually of interest to you and they might not be the thing for you. 
I'm already laughing because I just said it's up to you and your inner voice, which is one of my methods for my decision making and the way that I manage my life. But I'm already laughing because I made the assumption that that would be something that resonated with you. And it might not be. So remind me throughout this episode, you can just silently scream at me to continue to be open minded. And remember that my things are not the magic bullet for everyone else. So I'm reminding myself of that as I go as well. So the first thing that I want to mention is The Power of Now, which is a book by Eckhart Tolle. And I first read this book when I was living in Raleigh in about 2013, 2014. So when I went to go travel in 2014, I put this book away and then I pulled it back out of storage when I moved back to the States in 2017. And so it's super interesting for me to scroll through the same book and see all the areas that I highlighted. And I remember reading this book and being like, I kind of get it. I intellectually get it, some of it, some of it I didn't understand at all. And so it's super interesting. Now I take a different color highlighter and I highlight the areas that resonate with me now. And it's interesting to see where the overlap is between my 2014 understanding of the power of now versus my 2019 understanding of the power of now. So often I do highlight the same sections of the book, but so often I actually end up highlighting the complete opposite parts and passages of the book. So if you ever want to know how much your understanding has evolved over the years, go find a book that really rocked your world and reopen it and figure out what you understood from it before and what you highlighted before versus now. And I promise you, if you're much of a highlighter or a note taker, you will have a really interesting experience with that is seeing how your thinking has evolved. So The Power of Now was the first time I really understood the idea that the only thing we ever have is now. The past is just our thoughts about things that have happened in our past, and the future is just our thoughts about what we think will happen in the future. So if you think about every single moment, every moment that you're ever living is right now. And I'm not going to do too much of a dig into the book, but that changed my world. And I realized how often I was living in the past and how often I was living in the future and how seldom I was living in the now. And when you realize that you're in this moment and you quiet the mind or you pay attention to the mind, you realize that this moment is all you have and everything else is just a creation of your imagination. And if you're wondering why that matters, the book does an amazing job of explaining it. But fundamentally, the idea is you are always okay right now. In this very second, you are always okay. And your only feelings of not being okay stem from thinking about the past and thinking about the future. And as part of that, Eckhart Tolle says that part of the problem is over-identification with the mind, so believing all of the mind stories that the mind has been telling you for years and years and years and recreating your own reality based off of it. And so I highly, highly recommend taking a read of that book or at least looking up a book summary. I'll link to one in the show notes because it will change the way that you see the world. A quick spoiler that this will be important later as I dig into one of the other six strategies that have been life-changing for me. The second thing that I want to talk about actually ties back to the power of now, so this is all very thematic, but the second thing that's been totally life-changing for me has been travel, and I 
kind of cringe when I say that because I think it's a very um, privileged thing to say. But I'm working off my own life experience here. So I'm being honest, guys. So the connection back to the power of now is that Eckhart Tolle says there are only three reactions that you can have to something. You can accept it. You can change it. Or you can walk away from it. And so while I was traveling, that hit me over and over and over again. So there would be these moments where I would be on a bus in the middle of nowhere in Central America, and I would have a work meeting that I thought I had planned for, and I realized there was no way in hell that I was going to get to a hotel in time for my meeting. And so I would just have these moments where I would be like, I can either be upset this entire bus ride, or I can try to solve this, but doesn't really seem like there's a solution here. Or I can just accept the fact that I'm going to miss this meeting and I can apologize later. And so it was just, it sounds so simplistic, but when you're hit with those moments over and over and over again, especially in a foreign country where things run very differently, it really drills that into you, that you can only control your actions and that trying to control the actions of those around you or the systems of those around you is pretty fruitless. And so I just want to give a caveat because I can hear liberal minds screaming that stepping back and not trying to change a system is just being really passive. So I want to say I totally recognize that there are absolutely many times and places where we should step up and take action um, and work to change the system. But I still think in those moments, one, it's important to remember that you still can't control anyone's actions. And two, it's important to pick and choose those moments. And I think while traveling, I was able to see the moments where I was never going to have an impact or I couldn't have an impact. And so I was able to relax into things a lot more and I think become honestly a lot more go with the flow and a lot more relaxed, which some people in my life will laugh at (laughs) and other people will be like, yeah, that makes sense. Another really quick example of that was that we always had to pay our electric bills in person at the bank. We couldn't pay them online. And so the lines would be super, super long. And we, my roommate and I had really strong opinions about this and about the system and about how it could be more efficient. But in those moments, I would always just be like, okay, here I am in this long line and I can either be upset about it. Or I can say, hey, I'm choosing to live in this country. This is one of the trade-offs. So country being Guatemala, this is one of the trade-offs. And while I'm here, why not take a little bit of time to practice my Spanish by reading the signs or look at the dress of the women around me and learn a little bit about the the traditional attire. Um, And so that's what I mean is really being able to live in the moment more and remember that you can only control your actions. So that is part two travel and all the lessons I learned from travel. Part three is intuitive writing. So I remember so vividly the first time that I was introduced to intuitive writing by Jess Lively. And she also has a podcast, so you can check her out. I will put the link in the show notes. But I also mention intuitive writing and inner voice work on one of my solo episodes. So if you go to peak, P-I-Q-U-E, coaching.co slash Four, you can dig fully into inner voice work. But I just remember so vividly when I was first introduced to it, and I thought it was totally weird and totally hokey, and then I started doing it. And speaking of life-changing, this was mind-blowing and still is absolutely mind-blowing to me. So 
I've been doing this for about a year and a half now. And I mentioned in the other episode that I've done it on myself a lot. And I've also done it with a lot of friends and family and clients. And the answers that you get when you're able to tap into a part of yourself below the mind and below the ego is crazy. The biggest thing that I take away from intuitive work besides just the depth of answers that I get is this idea that I always have the answer within me and I never have to say I don't know again. It's crazy. So I might say I don't know yet, but I will always know the answer. And so I find it really funny and kind of annoying how often I still turn to external sources for validation and for advice on things that I already know the answer for inside. But sometimes I need to hear it from someone else or I need to hear the opposite from someone else in order to really reinforce the decision that I already know I want to make for myself. So I can go on and on about intuitive work, but I think that you actually have to see it in action to fully understand what it looks like. And so as part of my coaching, I'm actually offering up intuitive sessions. And so if you go to Calendly.com, so that's C-A-L-E-N-D. L-Y.com slash peak coaching again, P-I-Q-U-E, as always, slash intuition. You can sign up for a free 30-minute session where you can have me ask questions of your inner voice, or you can actually ask questions of my inner voice, and I can give you the answers that I'm hearing. So it's freaking cool. And if you're like, that's so weird and I don't understand it and it's not real. That's fine. Just sign up anyway because we can have some fun with it. Um, And so I reserve the right to take down that link at any point if I become overwhelmed with requests. But in the meantime, that is available as a listener of the Peak Podcast. I also just wanted to share a kind of ridiculous story with you about intuitive work because I feel like this actually makes it a lot more real and vivid if it all feels very abstract to you. So I've never shared this story publicly before. So I went to go watch... Jess Lively, who, again, has a podcast all about the inner voice. So if you want to dig in even deeper beyond what I'm doing, go visit her podcast. She's an inspiration and her inner voice is an inspiration. But she was doing a live recording of TV episodes for her show in Pittsburgh. And I went up with a friend for the weekend. So I will not name this friend, but she is a listener of the Peak Podcast. So hello to you. Hope you're doing great. <laughs> I don't want to name her in case this is weird for her. But we went up to Pittsburgh. We had an amazing weekend hanging out with all these other women who practice inner voice work. It was awesome. So our last night, we were in our Airbnb, and I asked my friend to drill my inner voice with questions and I would just chill. I wouldn't be responsible for asking myself questions. I could just answer and I could answer from that deepest part of myself beyond the mind, beyond what normal Christina has to say about things. So my friend is incredible. She is one of the only people that I really deeply share on the inner voice stuff with because she's so into it as much as I am. And she was asking me just really deep, insightful questions. And I was just chilling, lying down, just answering these questions that she was asking. And she did such a beautiful job of asking the next question once she had given me space to fully, fully answer the first question. So she did amazing follow-ups, but she gave me a ton of space. Long story short, we did this for about an hour. And I just answered from this deeper part of myself beyond the mind I am telling you guys, (laughs) I sat up at the end and I was like laughing hysterically 
and there may or may not have been a little bit of drool involved, I felt like I had had the world's deepest meditation that I've ever had in my entire life. It was like a massage, three hours at the spa, and a meditation combined into one. It was so ridiculous. I felt like I was completely high and I had only had a glass of wine before that. (laughs) Um, But there was something so incredible about going beyond what the normal mind has to say because we all know what our minds are saying for the most part. They just say these things to us over and over and over and over. But to go beyond that to a deeper part of yourself and to just let go of the mind completely is trance-like. So – I say all that as just a crazy story. I just wanted to share that first and foremost. It was nuts. You probably won't experience that if we just do this for like 15 or 30 minutes. You'll just be able to kind of chat with me and you'll be able to tap in every once in a while to that deeper part of yourself. You're not going to leave feeling like you're totally trippy and high. Um, It is only if we sat down and did like an hour and a half that you really get that feeling. Um, So – Do not be nervous. It's super easy. It is – everyone can do it. I really truly believe that. Um, But if nothing else, the very worst thing that happens is you sign up, you meet me on a video call, and we just have an awesome conversation. That is the worst case scenario in my mind. So I would love to see you guys there. Okay. Number four is The Model by Brooke Castillo, which is basically a method for solving any problem in your life, which is a huge claim, but so far has been absolutely accurate. So this all makes sense that I found The Model after I had found intuitive work. So I actually found out about Brooke Castillo through Just Lively's podcast. And Brooke Castillo pulls from a lot of different practitioners and different spiritual thinkers and leaders. So she will look at the work of Eckhart Tolle. She'll look at the work of someone like Pema Chodron, if you're familiar. Um, She looks at Martha Beck. So she pulls from a lot of different sources. And from all of those sources, she realized that they were fundamentally saying the same thing, which is this. Our thinking creates our feelings. Our feelings create our actions or inactions. And our actions or inactions create our results. Our results always validate the original thought that we were thinking. And so let that sink in for a moment. I know I've mentioned it here on the podcast before, but it is the root of all life coaching that I do and that many, many other life coaches do. So if you want to prove this to yourself, all you need to do is grab a piece of paper and then you're going to ask yourself a series of questions. So the first thing that you're going to do is write down the result that you're getting in your life that you don't want. So maybe it's more weight than you want or a lower salary than you would like. Maybe it's having a team for your business that doesn't actually support your business very well or having a really strange relationship with somebody in your family. It could be any of those things. So what you're going to do is you're going to actually work backwards. So once you have that result written down, you're going to ask yourself, what did I do or not do to get this result? So really encourage you to dig deep on this one. So there's often actions or inactions that you didn't see originally until you put pen to paper. Once you have your list of actions or inactions, you're going to ask yourself, what was the feeling that was prompting these actions? And from there, you're going to identify a feeling and then ask, what was I thinking that prompted this feeling? And so once you have that all written out, you can usually pretty clearly see how your thinking is creating your feelings 
your feelings are creating your actions or inactions, and your actions or inactions are creating the result that you're not wanting in your life. It sounds super simplistic, but it is crazy and it's frankly bulletproof. (laughs) So I wanted to run through a quick example to actually illustrate what this looks like in practice. So if you take the example of someone who has a lot of trouble saving money, and let's say that they have built up this story over years and decades that they're not good with money. If you look at the original thought, it might be something like, I'm not capable of saving money. And then they think that thought and they feel maybe shame. So you can play with the different emotions that come up, but let's say in this case, it's shame. From that place of shame, what do they do? People often end up spending more money from a place of shame. They feel so bad that they end up compensating by buying more things, or they end up not actually making a plan for budgeting and saving. And so there's probably a ton of other actions and inactions that come from this place, but we'll just keep it simple with those two, overspending and not making a plan. And so if you look at those actions and you ask, well, what is the result of that? Well, the result of that is they're not saving and they're not getting any closer to a place where they are saving. And so if you look at that result and you tie it back to the original thought, which is I'm not capable of saving, then that client is going to feel completely validated in their original thought. So they're creating the conditions, they're creating the circumstance so that they continue to have the same thought. And so if you look at confirmation bias, which is basically our brains are always seeking out evidence to prove us right, it makes perfect sense. And so if you look at the flip side, let's say that this client is coached on this thought and this client manages to get into a different place where they have a different belief system about their ability to save, and this person thinks, I can save. I'm absolutely capable of it. If you run through that, so if you run through the feeling that they create, so maybe it's empowerment, and then the actions, they create a plan, they create a support system, they build an accountability, they actually save, they don't overspend, they do allow their urges to pass when they feel the urge to buy something that they don't need. If you look at all of those actions and inactions, the result of that is going to be they have more savings. And that is always going to validate that original thought, I am capable. So The word of warning here is it's super easy for me to run through these examples really quickly, show you what it looks like in an unintentional world versus an intentional world. It is not that easy in practice, and it's not that easy when you're doing it on yourself because humans have blind spots. I include myself in that. I know this model inside and out, and yet when I'm coached, I always see something that I never saw before, thanks to the work of my awesome coaches who help me with that outside perspective. So that is why coaches get coached. I've been able to create a lot of change in my life recently using the model on top of intuitive work. So I've been able to create my life coaching business from scratch after quitting my job. So working on a lot of content, I was able to pump out a year of email content in one week. And that's actually going to tie to the next thing, number five, that I'm going to talk about here. Uh, I've been able to train myself to wake up at 6.30 a.m. every single day with no struggle. I've been able to drink 85% less, which you guys heard on another podcast episode that I talked about my increased sobriety. 
I have been able to hire only amazing contractors for my business, the ones who were not a fit. We were able to part ways in full transparency. Definitely had some angst around that, but it is it led me to a much better place now in terms of who I bring on for my business. Um, and I've been able to get back into healthy eating. So those are just a few of the many, many results that I've gotten through coaching. So just some shameless plugs for the coaching business here. <laughs> I had a really interesting conversation with a friend that I thought was super relevant to this discussion of the model. So she said that she was almost on board with the idea of the model, except that she felt like it didn't take into account her belief system. And so she comes from a religious background, and that's really important to her is her religion and her faith. But I mentioned to her, that's why I love the model so much is you can have any belief system in the entire world and it will work in the model. The question always just comes back to, is this thought that you're thinking serving you? Not does this thought make you happy, not does this thought make you joyful, but does it serve you? And the really beautiful thing about this model is, again, any belief system works, but also it acknowledges that sometimes you need to go through negative emotions that do serve you. So sometimes discomfort does serve you. Sometimes pain serves you. Sometimes sadness does serve you. And so that is always a question to keep coming back to is, does this thought, if you put it in the model, does it serve you? And if not, what can you think differently? in order to have a different result in your life, no matter your belief system. I want to round this section out by giving you two resources. So if you're having trouble working through that model, and if you're not getting as much clarity as you think you might be able to, I encourage you to reach out to me. If you go to peakcoaching.co slash the model, then you're welcome to set up a 15-minute call with me, and we can run through what your current models look like in your life. And what you might be able to start doing differently and thinking differently more specifically in order to change the outcomes that you're getting in your life. It is a no pitch call unless I get the sense that you might be interested in coaching with me and then I'm going to take the opening and we can talk about coaching. But if you're like, listen, I just listened to your podcast. I want to get on this call for 15 minutes. I want to milk you for your knowledge and I don't want to ever speak to you again. I can make peace with that. <laughs> That's a real offer. Uh, the other resource to check out, I will put in the show notes, but Brooke Castillo has an amazing podcast that I've linked to a billion times, but she also has a book called Self-Coaching 101, which is exclusively dedicated to how to work this model in your life to create the results that you want. I am sold, literally, because I have the book, but also figuratively on this whole idea. <laughs> okay. This next one, number five, is going to seem a little bit out of left field because it's just on a different playing field than everything else I've talked about so far, which is a lot more abstract and a lot more intuitive and less practical. Although I shouldn't even say that because the stuff I've talked about so far has been some of the most practical things I've ever applied in my life. Okay, that's an episode for another day. Anyway, I want to read you the definition of deep work from the book Deep Work. Let's see how many times I can say deep work back to back. So in Cal Newport's words, deep work is the professional activities, although in Christina's words, I extend this to also personal activities, just saying. So professional activities performed in a state of distraction-free concentration that push your cognitive capabilities to their limit. These efforts create new value, improve your skill, and are hard to replicate. 
He then adds that deep work is necessary to wring every last drop of value out of your current intellectual capacity. Now, when I hear this, I literally want to turn off my mic and just go think, (laughs) super thinking, as Brooke Castillo calls it. But I just wanted to add that I extend the definition of deep work beyond professional activities. And when he says, distraction-free concentration that push your cognitive capabilities to their limit, I also add, when he says cognitive, I add in spiritual, intellectual, creative. And so to me, deep work can take place on a lot of different planes. Actually, I'll add in emotional as well. So emotional capabilities. So this theory of deep work has completely revolutionized my own work, but it's also been the catalyst for my signature program, which is called the Deep Work Intensive. So I pull a lot from Cal Newport's work on digital minimalism and deep work. And I also pull from people like the author of the book Flow, which is about the psychology of optimal experience. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, and you will see why when I link it in the show notes. But I also call in work from Ariana Huffington and her book Thrive, as well as Charles Duhigg, who's the author of The Power of Habit. And so all of these books are basically saying that we need focused, uninterrupted time in order to create the maximum, highest quality outputs that we can create in our life. And so I take that to mean both creative, professional, personal, emotional, all the things I named before. All of these theories overlap to show us that we need this dedicated time. So giant spoiler alert, put your phone on airplane mode for a one-hour chunk four times a day, and it will change your life. Why do you think that this podcast episode is called life-changing after all? Um, But my point in the deep work intensive is that when you pair coaching with deep work, it's rocket fuel and you're going to get maximum results. But I do firmly believe that even if you just do part of deep work, which is, again, putting your phone on airplane mode four times for one hour at a time, Per day, you're going to see completely different results in your life because you're creating dedicated space to create the things that you want to create. So whether that's a more intimate relationship with your significant other without your phone pinging all the time, whether that's doing more writing like morning pages, for example, whether that is writing a novel. So my friend has been putting her phone on airplane mode more and has done a ton more work on her novels that she's publishing on Amazon. And it can just create so many things in your life because you're creating that space. And when you create that space for yourself, amazing results can come through. Okay, I'm laughing at myself as I record this. And I'm like, maybe my memoir should just be called Life Changing. (laughs) And I'll just sound like a used car salesman for all of these things. But I will say, in my defense, these are all completely free things. You can absolutely bring in an outsider like myself as a coach to help support you on these things, but you do not need to pay a cent to anyone in order to make these things truly work in your life. Okay, we are there. We are on number six. The sixth thing that has just locked up all of these different beliefs and really rounded them all out for me in a way that makes perfect sense in my brain as a way to support the change that I want to see in my life 
is actually from the Quakers. So I've mentioned the Quakers here on the podcast a few times, and I've been going to Quaker meetings because it really, really resonates with me and my belief systems. So far, everything that I've talked about is really individualistic. So I've talked about deep work, so that can be on your own. I've talked about really uh, leaning into the idea of the power of now that can happen on your own. Intuitive work can happen on your own. And all of those things can happen in community as well. I spend a lot of time thinking about how we can learn and grow individually within a communal context. So that's something that I would love to see influence my work as I grow as a coach is bringing together groups of people who really want to learn and grow together. So the Quakers are a really awesome model of that. And I mentioned the whole communal context because a lot of the things that I've talked about, again, can happen on your own and they're not in relation to other people. This one is completely relational to other people. And it is the belief that we all have the light of God within us or a piece of God within us. So before you turn this podcast off, if you're not religious, replace God with anything that strikes your fancy. But maybe you just go with the word light. I think that's actually what resonates most with me is that everyone has a light within them. And that belief is, oh God, I'm, oh no, no, I'm about to do it. It's life changing. <laughs> Seriously, though. When you look at every single human on the planet, even the ones who drive you freaking insane and who are thorns in your side, and you truly believe that they have a light within them, your level of empathy and your level of compassion and your level of believing that people are doing the best they can with what they have, which we've talked about a few times on the podcast, completely amplifies your ability to forgive your ability to let go of resentment, your ability to love humanity and not find yourself caught in what I see happening a lot in society these days, which is all people suck, all humans are awful, the world is terrible. Um, I personally believe that repeating those thoughts to yourself and repeating them out loud eventually, again, if you look through the lens of the model, is going to create emotions in you that will create actions and inactions that are going to bring a result that you do not want in your life. And frankly, I think that do not serve the world. So I love this idea that the Quakers have and that a lot of other religions have as well, that there is a light within each of us. So as you go out to your day today, I encourage you to look at every single human and try to see if you can believe that they have a light within them. I'm going to leave you with that. This has been Life Changing with Christina Roman. And thank you guys so much for continuing to listen. If you have any feedback on this episode, whether it's something that resonated with you or something that you disagree with, please feel free to shoot me a message. Hello at PeteCoaching.co. And I will see you on the next episode. Thanks and have a good one. Thank you for listening to The Peak Podcast. Your support helps this podcast grow. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and then head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is so much appreciated, and I will see you on the next episode.